larger enterprise systems have so much capability. And to Andy's point, when you get into really looking at the screens and looking at the UX and looking at the dashboards and what you can do, it's, it's just amazing. Almost too much. Those companies that are in between, you know, maybe they're maybe they're 750 million to a billion five that are that are in between. Maybe they're in five countries or or you know not not ten. It's it's a tough call. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. The best run companies use SAP as for HANA. The platform really lives to its name with its depth in transactions, deep workflow and auditing capabilities, and most robust planning and forecasting capabilities. But in general, it is also the most hated vendor and platform. But why is that? It's primarily because of the misunderstanding of the purpose of the SAP S4 HANA platform. It is also the most hated by companies that want to use ERP as the glorified database and have minimal experience with planning and control on the organization. But you can go so far as a company until you master your inventory and cash. This is especially true for public companies with deeper financial control and reporting needs. And the CFOs have a tough job if they are responsible for controlling the financials of more than 10 countries. That's probably the reason why CFOs love SAP. In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to discuss major stories in the ERP and digital transformation space and an objective and independent review of SAP S4 HANA's capabilities. We covered several grounds including its history, evolution, the strength of the HANA platform, product architecture and inbuilt workflow for Sarbanes Oxley's needs. Finally, we reviewed the greater financial traceability built as part of the product, the approach for two-tier, and the current product roadmap. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one a vendor or the solution that we review from the ERP community and we have a bunch of stories related to ERP or digital transformation that we always cover as part of this in the beginning. For today, we have a very exciting solution, one of the, the most exciting, I guess, in the community. And that is going to be IBS for HANA. Because it, but we are going to find today for which business it is going to be best and for which business. 
Okay, before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate IQ. I've been leading ERP and digital transformations for roughly 20 years. And obviously, SAP S4 HANA has come a long way overall from the product perspective, from the evolution. At Elevate IQ, we are the independent ERP consulting firm. We help our clients with system selection, contract negotiation, business process, and enterprise architecture, system architecture, as well as ERP implementation. On that note, I am going to move to Phil for his intro. Hi, everybody. Hi, Sam. I'm Phil Kerper with Ringling Business Solutions. Uh, we help uh, executive teams align their core business processes with digital platforms and their investments there. And I come to you uh, after several decades in the C-suite for mid-market companies uh, with a lot of ERP experience. And, and uh, S4HANA particularly is an area that uh, recently I've had a lot of opportunity to, to look at. So looking forward to the conversation tonight. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Dave, can I move to you next for your intro? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business uh, where we work with leaders in the manufacturing, construction, and cannabis spaces to help them create the systems they need to grow their business. And I come to you with more than 20 years in manufacturing operations, helping to uh, deliver operational excellence on an ongoing basis. So excited to be here and participate in the conversation. Thanks, Sam. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I move to you next for your intro? Absolutely, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Andy Pratico. I've been involved with ERP software for manufacturers specifically since 1981. And if you do the math real quick, that's a long time. Uh, I actually uh, have written a book on how to evaluate ERP software. And I put on uh, webinars and teach companies also how to evaluate and how to uncover the truth about systems before you buy. So thank you so much and uh, looking forward to the show. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. And before I start with today's first story, if you are in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys comment and question. Our panelists are going to be reviewing your, your questions and they will get back to you during the show. If you run out of time, then uh, you know we are going to make sure that you your answers. On that note, we have the first story, and the first story is coming from our friends at Oracle. And Oracle has been doing a lot of things in the infrastructure space. As we all know, Oracle was a little bit behind overall in terms of its uh, cloud game, not in the application, but really in the infrastructure. We all know that there are three major cloud providers that is going to be your Amazon, Microsoft Azure, and, and Google. The fourth position was always slightly trickier. So now Oracle has been doing a lot of things overall from the, the traction perspective in the case of cloud, especially once they actually won the contract from Zoom. Overall, that was a Zoom as well as, I guess, uh, the TikTok. Those two were massive, massive win for Oracle. The autonomous database that they have from the infrastructure layer, I think that's a massive differentiator. And overall, from the positioning perspective, what Oracle has been trying to do is they are trying to expose a lot more IT in the cloud world, and which has been my personal frustration overall in the cloud world. As much as I love cloud, but I still want that control. 
and that is not available with a lot of different cloud providers unless uh, when especially when you are talking about saas it could be extremely tricky to work with these saas applications when they are going to have a lot of limitations overall in terms of how many environments can you have and then for each environment they are going to charge almost twice the amount of money that they will be charging for the production instance so it gets really really tricky overall in the cloud world so what oracle is trying to do and we saw this in case of zoho as well they are trying to expose a lot more it we saw a similar theme in the case of next world when we reviewed them even though they are not as sophisticated erp but the trends is slightly similar overall these companies are trying to figure out okay how can i provide my on prem experience in the world of cloud and that's exactly what oracle is trying to do to, to differentiate from your amazon from your uh, from your google as well as microsoft so here they are saying a variety of prevailing uh, public cloud misconceptions are still holding companies back from realize the full benefits of the cloud the other problem that we have in the cloud world uh, you know companies have to rewrite their applications to be able to utilize the cloud and we have seen this in a lot of different cases where we call them as straight cloud uh, but you know let's say if you have your own internal application uh, and you don't really have billion dollar to be able to rewrite them you should be at least able to put on the cloud so that you can utilize them but traditionally if you look at the cloud world most of the application applications had to be rewritten for the cloud otherwise they might not work at all at time so that's exactly what oracle is trying to do overall from the infrastructure perspective so here they are saying customers had to rewrite their applications to the cloud and deal with uh, complex pricing models pricing is always always very tricky i still personally struggle with cloud pricing and it gives me a lot of nightmare even in case of your saas applications because they are going to have a lot of limitations so even if the initial price point is going to look very attractive uh you really need to understand these things at the infrastructure level okay what is the limit are they putting let's say in terms of the document exchange because you know uh, each cloud provider has some sort of limitations they are not going to provide you the infinite amount of resources there is no way any uh, cloud provider can provide you even if they are claiming on the paper that it is infinite but they are going to have these restrictions at the container level <laughs> that is provided to you in the multi tenant mode okay you are going to have this tiny tiny amount of memory so think of the the system that you are getting from them it's almost like a very tiny slice of the laptop that you might be using for yourself obviously that is going to be slightly more production grade uh, but the amount of memory amount of the storage that you get as part of your multi tenant uh, infrastructure it's very 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 low and each vendor as a limit whether they write it on the contract or not so obviously that is going to be really really difficult to understand for companies that are looking for public cloud and they might get really cheap deal from the cloud provider and they might feel that you know what this erp provider is really affordable okay they are not we are putting a lot of restrictions in the background so here uh, in the case of oracle they are providing a lot more control to the it because in this particular case this is really for the oracle infrastructure so they can charge based on the infrastructure they are not competing with companies like uh, you know sap in this particular case obviously for the public cloud model they are going to be competing with the other erp provider and they are going to be slightly more less sophisticated 
in how to evaluate these uh, platforms. So here in this particular case, uh, you know, the or this is really the pricing for the four companies that are going to be slightly IT heavy. They understand how to purchase IT and how to pay for IT. So here they are saying even more simplicity and flexibility so that scaling can be affordable and easy without, you know, painstaking rewrites. Rewrites is going to be the, the heaviest uh, line item overall uh, in your uh, cloud migration. Uh, so if Oracle can avoid that, I mean, that's a, that's a huge advantage for a lot of companies. Now, they are also saying up to 95% lower cost than other cloud offerings. Uh, that's a tall claim, in my opinion but hopefully they can do something there. Uh, uh, I, I don't know where that claim is coming from. Here they are saying flexible block volumes with performance-based auto-tuning, performance characteristic of the block storage volumes automatically in response to fluctuating demand. Now, the autonomous database that they have, obviously that's going to be far more expensive in general. The resources, the kind of resources it utilizes now if you are going to build your entire infrastructure around that, you it's probably going to be more expensive. That's why they are giving a little bit of flexibility overall uh, with the resources. So now this is going to be far more affordable for the companies. Here they are saying ZFS file server in a highly available automated deployment stack that uses OCI block volumes for the underlying raw storage. Then uh, they also have an option whether you want to deploy on bare metal versus virtual machines. Uh, obviously, the virtual machines, the resources are going to be limited. That's going to be shared with other tenants that might be living in the same infrastructure. In case of bare metal, you are literally deploying on the hardware. So you know you have that option. I don't know if that option is available with some of the other cloud providers, which is uh, great uh, You know, if the companies are trying to move to OCI. Uh, if you are looking for high performance, obviously you'll go for bare metal. Otherwise you'll go for VMs. Uh, maximize total cost of ownership from their workloads with features such as uh, flexible memory, subcore, versatile CPU, and uh, a lot of different things. Uh, then you have the container instances enable customers to use containers without directly managing the hosting VM or requiring Kubernetes orchestration. Uh, and OCI takes care of creating the instance with a secure OS image, networking, and storage. This is where I think the, the control is given back to the companies that are going to be managing the cloud as opposed to cloud provider guarding everything inside. And, you know, IT has very little. So I kind of, you know, like this approach that Oracle has been taking. And I think they, uh, get a lot of market share just because of that. Um, here they are saying enables uh, customer workloads that benefit from attest NVM uh, drives that provide low latency storage, and they can do both relational and the NoSQL databases. So overarching message here is that OCI is providing a lot more control and flexibility, uh, you know, in terms of the infrastructure. I don't know if you have comments, I can take, otherwise I can move to the next one. Okay, so the next one is coming from OCI as well. And in this particular case, they have received the FedRAMP Plus certification. And for people who are not familiar with what FedRAM Plus certification is, it's the higher grade certification, which is going to be uh, far superior than FedRAM. We saw in case of Workday that they had received FedRAM certification recently. So anybody who's targeting government sector, public sector, they probably need to acquire this. But FedRAM Plus is going to be even more higher certification to work with the Department of Defense, 
any sort of intelligence authorities. And based on the situation that we have in the world, uh, obviously there is going to be a significant revenue <laughs> that is coming to somebody because of the situation we have in Russia and, and Ukraine. So that could be the reason why Oracle might be expediting this certification. But now they have the FedRAMP Plus certification. We might see this from the other vendors as well in the market. They might expedite that. So here they are saying OCI for government has achieved FedRAMP Plus authorization, adding Oracle's uh, growing list of uh, design FedRAMP high jab authorization. Uh, and all of three, the Oracle Cloud VMware solution, OCI Data Science, OCI uh, Oracle Excel Data Cloud Service in the FedRAMP Plus augmented environment. Um, yep, so this is going to be for the high specification for defense and uh, intelligence agency systems. Again, that's FedRAMP Plus as far higher level of certification. I have personally not seen if any other vendors have FedRAMP Plus, but I can almost guarantee that. AWS and Microsoft is Oracle Cloud infrastructure is used across the Department of Defense, including the US Army, Navy, and Air Force, uh, multiple defense agencies, as well as the Office of Secretary of Defense. More than uh, 1,000 public sector organizations also benefit from Oracle LGs. So that's from this story. If you guys have any comment, I can take those or move to the next one. I'm told that Infor is FedRAMP, but I, that could be marketing. I don't know if that's true or or if it's actual fact. So Infor definitely does a lot of business overall, uh, you know, in the government space, especially if you look at their solution for cloud finance. I don't know what their position in the government space, but my understanding is going to be either cloud financials or the EAM product that must be positioned a lot in the government sector. So FedRAMP, and there is a difference between FedRAMP and uh, FedRAMP Plus. In this particular case, they are going for FedRAMP. Uh, I would highly doubt if Infor targets those, uh, you know, defense or uh, really the highly secure <laughs> uh, agencies. For the most part, Infor is probably going to be targeting the public sector agencies that are not going to require FedRAMP. Okay, any other comments, guys? If not, then we have another story, and this is coming from. This is a very different story and very unique, to be honest. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Anaplan. Uh, Anaplan was in the FNOP market. So this is sort of the CPM tool, uh, but it's way, way bigger than CPM. Okay, so they can do a lot more. And they are sort of the pioneer of this concept of connected planning. And what connected planning means is typically, you know, most of the CPM products, they are going to be doing a lot more work in the finance space, they can do budgeting, they can do your cash flow modeling, etc. Uh, they can do a little bit of SNOP, but typically SNOP uh, tools were different. Demand planning was completely different. These tools really did not aggregate all of the data sources that you might have to be able to come up with the connected planning. And that includes your human resources planning as well. Uh, in case of Anaplan was probably the only one, the most sophisticated. Obviously, if you go for tools like SAP IBP. SAP IBP is one of the gold standard overall in the planning space. Uh, but a lot of bigger companies, they uh, like uh, Anaplan and the adaptive planning is the other one that we saw in case of Workday, they have adaptive planning. Uh, you know, so Anaplan was a big gun overall in the SAP. They had big momentum, big community. A lot of people were really fans. And here they have been acquired by a company, uh, a private equity company, that is really one of the biggest 
and that is going to be Tama Bravo. And if you guys don't recognize this private equity company, they also own QAD as well as Deltek. And that's why it is really interesting for us. QAD is a very supply chain centric solution. Deltek is not, but we know that there are going to be some movements happening for QAD product. So it may be very exciting overall. QAD was a very supply chain centric solution. And now they have one of the best products in the market for supply chain. So we might see some synergies there. I don't know how they are going to move overall. QAD was more positioned towards your automotive. It's not really retail, retail uh, kind of play. And a plan was very retail centric. Okay. So I don't know how these synergies are going to be in those two. QAD, we saw a lot of movements in the market. They were actually trying to build a lot more distribution centric functionality for the automotive market, for the automotive dealers. They were trying to build the marketplace uh, inside QAD, uh, which is very different. But that's not the core retail. And a plan was really in the retail planning market. And they have got what 16x exit, I guess. Uh, based on their current revenue. So this is going to be a big deal. And they have really big logos here, Coca-Cola, Shell, BMware for them. So I'm super excited about this news. I don't know about you guys. Uh, If you have any comment, I can take those or I can move to the next one. I've got a couple of friends that, uh, one specifically that's worked at QAD for a a while. And uh, it seems that there's a little bit of confusion going on with the whole group and sister company. Very interesting. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on the confusion? Uh, I I think that I'll elaborate a little more one-on-one with you, Sam, sometime. Okay. All right. (laughs) We can definitely talk about it. Okay. So if you guys don't have any other comment or if you guys know anything else about the confusion, we can talk about that. Uh, or we can move to the, the story. So here, the story is coming from IFS. And as we all know, IFS is a solution that is positioned towards your field service-centric companies. They have really, really strong field service component. And that is going to be relevant for companies that are doing installation for very large things. Typically, these are going to be any companies that are going to be in the airline ecosystem. For example, your MRO organizations, It's going to be uh, if you are doing uh, any sort of oil and gas, uh, uh, you know, maintenance and service. If you are doing, I would say, agriculture, uh, maintenance and service utility is a big one. They have very large equipment that needs to be serviced in the field. So anything that has a a large equipment in the field, that's where IFS really. Okay, this is not for the other distribution organization where they might be selling a bunch of widgets and they never have to visit field. It's not really for that. It's not really for the other companies that may have a little bit of these component, but they might not be as sophisticated overall in terms of the amount of involvement you have in the process in the field service. So here they are saying IFS, the global cloud enterprise software company today announced that it has been positioned in the leaders category in the IDC market space worldwide field service management solutions for utilities 2022 vendor assessment. And by the way, guys, we are going to compare their capabilities with they compete with S4 HANA today. Uh, okay, uh, obviously Oracle, I, uh, IFS is, uh, but with IFS, you are going to get a lot more last mile functionality for certain industries. Okay, they are not going to be as strong in the core financials as S4 HANA because that's slightly more generalized solution. But if you are looking for the deep operational functionality for certain industries, they can probably beat SAP. Uh, you know, that's how strong they are in this space. So here they are saying this IDC marketplace 
provides electric, gas, water, utilities. By the way, guys, this is not the place for SAP. This is probably the place for Oracle because Oracle is far stronger in these, these verticals than uh, your SAP. So here they are saying provide electrical, electric, gas, water utilities with critical information in assessing field service management solutions. Salesforce has been trying, trying to penetrate this as well, guys. Salesforce, uh, Microsoft has a little bit, uh, but again, the kind of capabilities that you are going to get as part of IFS, they are one of the strongest uh, overall in the field service. IFS was recognized for offering a single configurable enterprise solution serving needs of utility clients in the FSM space, offering not only core functions, scheduling, optimization, dispatch, mobility. And that's where the trick is, these four components. Uh, when you look at the field service scheduling, that could be far more complex than your production scheduling. Even if you have a very involved uh, you know, manufacturing plant because of the number of the moving pieces that are going to be involved when you are going to be scheduling these resources. And sometimes you cannot afford to lose even a second when you are going to be repairing that aircraft because for each minute you are going to be losing a lot of money. So that's where uh, IFS really, really shines overall in the scheduling optimization. Optimization is big. A lot of companies are going to claim, hey, I can do that. But actually optimization is very, very, very tricky. And obviously IFS is going to be far deeper overall in their uh, artificial intelligence capabilities that probably you are not going to see. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be far superior uh, overall in its capability. Uh, dispatch is a big one. In general, dispatch, if you are working with very uh, involved organization, the, the dispatch process uh, processes could be very involved. Even in case of smaller transportation companies, the dispatch functionality is very, very, very heavy. Uh, and it's always a struggle. Uh, so here we are talking about very, very involved processes. And then they have some more unique features that is going to be automated uh, vehicle location. Again, you are, that's a very rich component of your asset management. Some asset management solutions might have that, but obviously these guys are going to be far richer. Uh, automated worker location. Uh, we are seeing that flavor in a lot of WMS solution at this point of time in the market. Uh, but again, they are already able to map that, which is a big deal, mobile GIS. Uh, and they got all of these capabilities from their acquisition of Clevest, the leading provider of mobile, work mobile workforce management and advanced network deployment solutions in the utilities vertical. Again, they are very focused. They target only those verticals and they are really, really good. Okay, uh, comments. If not, okay, the last story that we have is coming from our friends at ECI. Uh, and as we know, ECI has been doing a lot of different acquisition in that QuickBooks segment, and I, I want to be very clear. Uh, okay, they target very, very, very small customers, but their goal is going to be provide the fully baked integrated solution for those customers that are going to be utilizing a lot of add-ons. Uh, they have to utilize a lot of custom integration. So ECI is a great fit in, in that space. So here, and they have very deep functionality for specific micro verticals, and I uh, like the way ECI is approaching the market. It is the same approach that other private equity owned companies are following, including your Infor, uh, Apicor, and now ECI is doing the same. Actin uh, is doing that a little bit. Uh, they are not as clear overall in their economic strategy in my mind. Uh, ECI, but ECI has very similar strategy is Apicor right now, the way Apicor is approaching the market. So here they have 
um, acquired the, the e-common sense platform of market-leading e-commerce and product information management solution specifically designed for lumber and building material, hardware, home center, and related home supply dealers is now available to the North American market. I think this is the acquisition that we saw a few weeks back. They had acquired, but now they have made it available. By the way, guys, this is the space that Apicor also operates in. They have slightly more legacy solution for this space. I don't know whether they have plans for cloud, but my assumption is going to be they are probably going to carry this because it's a very unique market. Apicor is going to target slightly larger customer. ECI is going to target slightly smaller customer, but they are going to have the same integration capabilities, whether you talk about the e-commerce, whether you talk about PIM, and then completely integrated with your ERP solution. Obviously, ERP solution is going to be far smaller than most of the ERP solutions that we know in the market, but at least you are going to get the customer-facing functionality for these patches uh, in that industry. So here, designed by a tradesman, uh, obviously, that's a factor because you need to know the industry, and this is a very unique industry. It's not a very generalized industry. So, but for small business owners focused on their trade, building, and management, uh, an effective website seems unattainable. So, typically, the options for these companies, if they are trying to develop this on their own, they have to spend a lot of money to be able to develop this. And here, everything is going to be packaged. Uh, you know, it's not going to be as custom as you would like, but then you are not looking at a million dollars. Uh, you know, this could be far more attractive option for the smaller companies to get the entire integrated platform, including your e-commerce. Uh, that's going to be your PIM as well as your, uh, with e-common sense, the platform is seamlessly integrated with a business ERP like ECI Spruce, okay? ECI has very, very many products in their portfolio. Spruce is targeted for this specific segment. Uh, now, I don't know, again, I don't know whether they have plan to make it cloud native, but it would probably make sense to innovate Spruce because that's a very unique ERP position for a very specific vertical. And I don't think your vanilla ERP, even your NetSuite Acumatica can, will be able to compete in these patches. They would probably require some sort of add-on. So here you are getting the functionality directly from the OEM. Uh, obviously that's a big deal. That's pretty much it on this. Do you guys have any, any comments? Just one. I mean, a lot of the acquisition stuff that we were seeing in December and January, kind of at the end and the beginning of the year, were were pretty expansive, you know. And these last, I would say, these last couple of weeks and today, particularly, they seem to be much more in their lane, if that makes sense. They're they're acquiring and adding things that it's easier for me, anyways, to see how that fits. Like in this case and in the previous cases, versus people just buying assets that are that are adding. So 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 it seems sensible. These 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 stories to me, if that makes sense. I completely agree. I, I I very much agree with ECI's strategy, the way they are approaching the market. At this. Again, they are trying to create something like in four, uh, but for much smaller market. Uh, obviously, they will not be able to compete in that bigger range, but for the smaller market, there is still a play in my mind. And this is going to be a threat, to be honest, for companies like QuickBooks and Zero. And FreshBooks, I think those three are there in that small accounting segment. Uh, they rely on a lot of different add-ons in that space. And that's probably the reason why those companies are acquiring companies like MailChimp, because now they want to get uh, marketing automation functionality. Uh, you know, they have they also have threat from other companies that started as the customer service or the CRM. They all are trying to go deeper. And everybody is sort of trying to become the 
the whole ERP functionality. <laughs> so it's going to be a very interesting mix overall. But if you look at the way ECI is approaching the market or Aptine is approaching the market, I completely agree with their strategy. They are going to provide the complete solution for companies as opposed to just selling one product. Hey, Sam, we've got a uh, question from the uh, the audience here that's a bit outside of my scope, so I want to throw it to you. Uh, the question is, uh, what are your comments for PMO solutions for India? Yeah, honestly speaking, I'm not going to have much of the opinion here. I don't have personal experience, you know, covering Indian market. PMO solution, when you look at that, it's probably not going to have as much accounting and the regulation constraints in my mind. So if you are looking for pure project management and the PMO solution, you can probably go with anything. But if you are looking for something that is going to have the accounting, the tax, the regulation functionality integrated as part of your PMO process, then you are looking for full-blown ERP. And then you are looking for something that is really localized in India. Typically, based on my personal experience, what I have seen, especially in the, and I don't know what is the size of this business for the small to medium-sized businesses, typically they are going to be relying on tele. That's the more widespread solution in the small to medium uh, space. SAP is very, uh, SAP has a localization for India. Sage, we saw in the Sage's review, Sage had localization for India. Enforce sells to Indian market, but again, they are probably not going to have as strong PMO component. So again, I am not the expert of that. I don't know if you guys are going to have <laughs> comments for Indian market. Sorry. Thanks. Okay. Uh, any other questions or comments, guys? Andy? Okay. If not, then we can start with the briefing session. And as you all know, SAP S4 HANA is really the best one. And when they say best one, what they mean is the larger. Okay. That's what best one means. Uh, you know, if you are a very small organization, I don't know if SAP S4 HANA is the right fit for you. Typically, this is going to be the right fit for companies that are going to be localized and globalized. That's where the solution really shines. The solution is designed to bring a lot of different countries in the same fold. Typically, if you look at the traditional ERP market, the way, uh, you know, companies used to approach the ERP market is uh, because of the limitations of the underlying ERP systems. Let's say if you have a business model where you are going to have a distribution, 80% distribution, 20% manufacturing, they are probably going to be buying two ERP and they are going to be using both of them in separate databases and they are going to be adding the financials and that's the scope of the ERP system. Now, this could happen in case of your company when you are going to be, let's say, present in five countries, six countries, nine countries, or 20 countries, right? When you have that, then typically what you are going to do is you are going to have a localized system for countries like India, which is one of the most complex overall from the taxation perspective, from the localization perspective, India, Brazil, Mexico, uh, there are three or four that they are the most complex overall. I think India has simplified their tax structure uh, recently. So I don't know if that is going to make it easier. But again, I have personally never implemented an ERP for India. So I just don't know enough. And I don't want to comment on that. But when you look at countries like India, India is going to be uh, most ERP companies, what they are going to do is they are going to expedite the development for the US, UK, maybe Japan, <laughs> maybe 
you know, Germany. Uh, so these are the countries that are going to be the most common overall in the ERP community. But let's say if you are in continents such as Latin America or very complex geography in the Europe, that's where uh, a lot of companies struggle. We saw in case of Sage, and I was shocked to see that when we saw Sage intact, they did not have the regulatory component for French. And they were utilizing a very specialized solution for the, the country of France, right? Uh, now, that could be the case when, let's say, you are a pharma company, you might have your development center, let's say, in France. You might be in the U.S. Now, you have only two countries you are localized in. So what is going to be your choice? Your choice could be, okay, either you go for one solution in the U.S. and one solution in the France. And now, if you have one more country somewhere in Latin America, obviously, you cannot keep all of those countries in one database. And this is where SAP really shines. Most of the products, even the smaller ones, okay? SAP is the most localized and globalized from the finance perspective. SAP S4 HANA, I believe, is localized and globalized. By the way, there is a distinction, guys. SAP S4 HANA on-prem is very different from SAP S4 HANA cloud. They are not created to be equal products. They have very different lease cycle. They have very different capabilities. SAP S4 HANA cloud, I believe, is localized or globalized in roughly 33 countries. And we have an evidence for that uh, using the public information. The on-prem is localized in 64 countries. Okay. On an average, when you are going to look at products such as even IFS is positioned for global companies, but when you are going to look at, you know, how many countries it is really globalized in, maybe 20, maybe 25, 30, most of the big solutions, they are going to be localized and globalized in very few countries. And that's where your SAP S4 HANA, the Oracle uh, Cloud ERP is probably going to be closer. I can almost guarantee that it's not going to be as globalized and localized as SAP. And I'll tell you why. Any companies that started in Europe, which is going to be your SAP, Sage, they are going to have far deeper or the solution that was originally developed somewhere in Europe. They are going to have far deeper localization and globalization capabilities. The reason for that is because when you start a business in Europe, it's like, you know, when you start a business in, in the US or Canada, you are probably going to be doing business in both of these countries. Okay. Uh, you know, that's how most Canadian businesses work. Most US business work, most U.S. businesses are probably going to have a Canadian subsidiary as well, just because it's just so easy to do business. And that's exactly how the European market works. I mean, if they are going to be doing business in Germany, they are probably going to be doing in France, Italy. Uh, so the companies or the ERP solutions that really started in Europe, they had very deep localization and globalization capability. The second toughest market in my mind is always Latin America, just because you have a lot more countries. Asia is another you know, market which is very, very, very difficult because, again, you have too many languages. Countries are really small. They are very close. Um, it's upcoming economy. So that's where these global solutions, when you are going to be doing business in those many countries or in the difficult countries, that's where solutions such as SAP S4 HANA shines. Now, if you look at the evolution overall of SAP S4 HANA, obviously, this was one of the strongest financial solutions overall from the capability perspective when you are looking at consolidating all of your countries, all of your operations in just one database, at least from the financial operations perspective. I am not talking about the planned operations uh, because obviously the systems were not as capable, let's say if we talk about 10 years back, 
So they had to make some sort of compromises. But when you are going to be, let's say, in eight, nine countries, 10 countries, that's where your CFOs are going to have a real hard time managing this. And they are going to ask, okay, let me get SAP. The other reason why SAP is really, really good overall from the product perspective, the way SAP products are designed, they are designed from scratch for the most part by SAP, and they follow very strong development methodology. I am big fan of SAP products in general because of the quality of the development, the structure that you have inside SAP from the product perspective itself. It's one of the best. Okay, you are not going to find as deep operational capabilities as you can find in some of the other solutions. But when you are looking at it from the financial control perspective, when you are looking at it from the auditing and debugging perspective of the financial transactions, it could get really, really deep when you are trying to reconcile, you know, nine different countries, it's a nightmare. Okay, when you have to deal with, <laughs> you know, so many different teams, they have their own uh, accounting standards, the way uh, they do things. And if you have to track the transaction from the beginning to end, it's a nightmare. The other things uh, I personally am a big fan of SAP products is going to be the whole, uh, the configuration. Okay, when you say the configuration, SAP in my opinion, I don't know if other companies, I, I personally, this in, in any other products. The, when you are going to be implementing any of your ERP, so the configuration settings are actually built and managed and versioned as part of the product. And that's a big deal, guys. I'll tell you why. Okay, if you go to any other implementation, I have seen a lot of different implementations, including your Microsoft Oracle and Core Epico. Okay, you go there and you are looking at, okay, you implemented this ERP system two years back. Okay, show me some form of document. Okay, they don't even have understanding of what base currency they had used, you know, what kind of chart of, chart of account, what kind of rationale they had used in every decision making when they had implemented. SAP is the only company and the only product, uh, you know, that keeps this as part of the product. So when a company or the consulting company is going to be changed or the uh, the company that has bought the CRP product is going to change the hands from either consultant perspective or from the employee perspective. All of that configuration is going to be part of the product so that the consultant can go look in the product and can find out what exactly happened here. And that is the answer <laughs> that you are not going to find in a lot of different ERP systems. So obviously SAP has a lot of different bells and whistles that it really specializes in. The other things about SAP F4 HANA is going to be the HANA database. Okay, HANA database is very different compared to your other databases that we have in the market. For example, one of the things HANA is really good at is going to be the overall memory footprint. They call it as the embedded analytics. And what that means is basically, traditionally, if you look at how analytics typically work in the traditional scenario, you are going to have an operational database and then you are going to have the analytical data. But typically, the analytics team is going to be completely separate from operational. Operational IT team will not let you touch the operational database, uh, you know, because the analytical workload is going to be overall stronger and they are going to have a very massive hit overall on the, on the database. So typically what they used to do is they used to have an ETL process in between. You create the data warehouse and then finally you have the analytical workload. Now, based on the memory footprint, now SAP's claim is, you know what, once you have HANA, then you probably don't need to do all of that. 
you know, it's going to be as capable for both of these activities, which is going to be process your transaction as well as analyze report on top of that. But the premise is great. But for the most part, when you look at the analytical workload, that is still going to be required, uh, you know, because you need to combine a lot of different data sources. It's not going to be just the SAP data that you are looking at. But overall, from the memory footprint, uh, obviously, it's far superior. It's much better appliance. So even in case of very small SAP products, you are going to get the HANA appliance as part of your ERP suite, which is going to reduce the memory footprint. If you compare some of the other products, for example, Infor, Apicor, Oracle. Uh, Oracle, I don't know if Oracle has in-memory database as part of all of their ERP portfolio. Obviously, they are one of the best in the, in the database uh, market. So I don't know if Oracle ERP Cloud does utilize similar uh, technology as uh, SAP S4 HANA. I think they have made a lot of claims overall. Uh, but SAP S4 HANA is very clear uh, that it utilizes the in-memory database. And you know that reduces the number of table uh, that you are going to have overall in your transactions. What this database can do is it can aggregate these tables on the fly so that you are not really dealing with those expensive uh, SQL joins, if you have any sort of background in the SQL world, you know how terribly difficult it gets <laughs> when you are trying to combine all of these uh, tables together and trying to build this massive item record or the customer record, which is probably going to have you know 40, sometimes 200 tables uh, underneath that to be able to get the amount of data that each customer or the item record is, is going to require. Did I cover everything that we cover as part of the briefing? Did I miss anything? You you touched on, on speed on HANA, but uh, maybe touch on, especially if you have a lot of transactions and very heavy transactions, is that not also a, a, a good advantage for, for, for the HANA database, Sam? 100%. 100%. So again, if you are a very either volume business or you are going to be really deep overall in your transactions. That's where HANA is. Uh, a lot of ERP systems really struggle in their slowness. So they might come across as very operationally efficient. Uh, overall, in terms of their capabilities, they are going to have the billion functional point. For example, let's say if we compare this with Global Shop. If you do the checklist approach with Global Shop and SAP is <laughs> probably going to lose, to be honest, because they don't really have as many functional points, but you are looking at very uh, technically competent system that can process massive workload overall from the size perspective. They might not be function functionally as rich as some of these smaller vendors, but it's it's really a massive appliance overall from the IT system. And and the other two thoughts will probably come back around later in, in some of the other slides, but but one is that I found SAP uh, S4 HANA to be a little bit more of an a la carte type of buy where that where that versus you know everything included on the licensing side. So the the selection process you really have to get into what your functionality you're needing on the licensing side as well as the SI side, and their and their fee base is. A little bit complicated. So the way that they charge fees, it, it sometimes takes a couple times around to really understand what happens to cost of ownership if you're scaling based on the way their fees are paid. Yeah, honestly speaking, in that market, you are probably going to find a lot of a la carte approach, as you mentioned. And the reason for that is because each company is probably going to be choosing best of. Uh, it's very hard 
to convince those large organizations to be on just one product. Okay, and they also have uh, you know decent IT budget, decent IT capabilities. So in most cases, when you are looking at these Fortune thousand companies, when you are looking at Fortune five thousand companies, they are probably going to be utilizing Salesforce. <laughs> they are probably going to be utilizing Workday, and when they have those two, okay, somebody has to fill the hole for the third system. Now there are only two or three competitors in the enterprise market that are really good to be. Okay, when you are looking at CRM market, Salesforce or Microsoft, that's how the the choice goes. Uh, you don't really have a vendor, third vendor in the CRM market that can compete at that level. In the ACM market, it's the same thing. It's going to be either your uh, workday or it's going to be success factor from SAP. Sure, Oracle has a little bit of market share there. Inform my claim that you know what I can do that as well. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, really those two or three that can compete in that market. And the same thing goes for ERPs. You only have two, three vendors that can do in that large space. But again, S4 HANA is not designed for 50 people shop. Okay, don't stall there. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a, a terrible fit. Uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be so complex. It's going to be so expensive that you just don't want to do it. Okay, any other questions, comments? Okay, so I'm actually going to move to the first slide. So here, if you look at Wikipedia, if you spoke to any of the SAP sales reps or the SIs, they might have different uh, perspective. But if you look at the core positioning of SAP, SAP is trying to guard their large enterprise market. That has always been bread and butter. SMB was never their market as such. SMB team at SAP might claim that I have a lot of 40,000, 100,000 customers in the SMB market. But if you look at their revenue share overall, overall revenue is driven from those large enterprise accounts. And that's what S really cares for. And obviously, S4 HANA is the flagship for them. So it was always the flagship product. It started as the R3, R2, R3, and then ECC, and then finally HANA. The whole idea of HANA was to convert into all of these databases that they had. They were using Microsoft, Oracle, IBM underneath. And now, you know, everything. As for Afana, number one, they reduce the dependency on competitors, <laughs> which is never a good thing to have. And obviously, the HANA was really good. The problem with the HANA database is it requires significant migration overall from data perspective. When you are going from one in four product to the second in four product or one Oracle product to the second Oracle product, it didn't require as much transition. And that's when the main challenge for SAP overall in switching to the HANA platform it's efficient, but it's far deeper migration process because it requires changing your data structure, changing the way you think of the business. And that has been a very heavy lift for SAP. A lot of people claim that SAP is no longer going to be in the ERP market. That's not true at all. Uh, <laughs> in fact, you know, HANA is one of the best applied in the market. Once they actually develop those deeper capabilities, the operational capabilities, uh, they might be able to penetrate slightly smaller markets. But for now, their target market is really those large enterprises. Uh, here, uh, you know, a couple of more comments. Uh, the best of breed architecture, Phil, that you mentioned, you know, best of breed architecture is designed for a purpose. And uh, the previous CEO at SAP, he did wonderful things overall in getting these best of breed applications because they were really, really good. When you look at products such as Ariba, when you look at products such as Qualtrics, SuccessFactor, uh, you know, when you look at products such as uh, what else do they have? Uh, they have SAP EWM, which is a massive product. All of these products were really, really, really good. You know, they acquired the only problem with SAP is 
SAP is not going to do the similar integration as some of the other PE-owned companies. What they have done is they have simply created an IFAS in the background and they are simply trying to map the field. But because of that, you are going to get a lot of issues. And we see those issues, uh, personally, I've seen those issues with the products that are going to be simply integrated uh, with an IPaaS in, in the back end, uh, companies actually face a lot of problems. So SAP typically likes to go through the, the whole product life cycle when they are going to be integrating any of the products and they are going to be integrated at much deeper level in general. Now that extends your development time <laughs> because you need far more time to think through the data model to, to think through your integration workflows. Uh, and that's why SAP is really behind at time overall in terms of the integration. But they are trying to figure their way out as well, how they can compete with some of the other vendors, uh, you know, that are far richer overall in their operational capabilities, especially. SAP Business Suite 4 only runs on the SAP HANA database. It is packaged as one product as it is for HANA. Uh, SAP Classical R3 ERP and ECC based business suite and related products were designed to run on several database platform, uh, which we already covered, Oracle, Microsoft, IBM. SAP HANA platform has been available since, what, 2010? The new suite they had launched in 2015. One point to note is going to be the they introduced both cloud and on-prem, but on-prem was picked faster in general. They had far deeper capabilities in the on-prem world because the migration in the on-prem was far easier. So there were two layers of migration uh, in the code base. Most companies had to deal with this one form of, and that is going to be, okay, how do I take this legacy code base and make it cloud native? In case of SAP, SAP had to do a lot of things. Okay, SAP had to convert uh, from their legacy SQL database to HANA, then, you know, legacy UX to modern UX, which is theory based, which is which, which is amazing, uh, you know, and then converting and re-architecting the entire code base to cloud native, which is a far heavier lift than most vendors in the market. Now, converting that industry code, and SAP had the industry code in the ECC world for every single industry. And that's why everybody used to love it at one point of time, because they had far deeper capability for each of the industry in the on-prem world. But that does not exist in the cloud world. That is their biggest problem. When they were converting this code base from on-prem to on-prem, it's easier. That's why they could convert <laughs> easily. But in case, in the case of cloud, it's a very, very, very complex architecture. It requires different skill sets. You don't have cloud native development, to be honest, okay? None of the SAP partners really understand. And right now, even today, it's very, very, very hard for SAP partners to understand how cloud native architecture works and that is why they are really struggling when you look at uh, such products such as SAP Business One. It's not getting any momentum in cloud. SAP Business by design, no momentum <laughs> because that is the only cloud and one of the richest cloud products that SAP has, but nobody likes it because they just don't get you know, how cloud works. And this is the similar problem that they are facing even in, in case of SAP Hana. But for companies, they don't really have a lot of options in, in the large space. So they don't have a choice but to go for SAP S4 HANA. Um, hey Sam, a yeah. quick question around that. Do, do you think their 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 attempt to to transfer SAP ECC customers to S4 HANA is being impacted by that big difference? I mean, is that almost a full implementation? They have a rise program they call it that's supposed to allow you to evolve. But do you think that difference in database is slowing them down to get EC, uh, ECC customers, for example, up on S4 HANA? 
it's much heavier lift than, you know, let's say if Oracle is trying to switch their customers from NetSuite to Oracle ERP Cloud. Microsoft is trying to switch their customers from BC to, to Microsoft FNO. Infor is trying to switch their customers from, let's say, Visual to CSI or to LN. Okay, so in case of SAP, it's much heavier lift. And that's why it's just more expensive, more effort. And that's why they have different tiers here, if you actually look at the. So here they are saying new implementation, you, that is called greenfield. Meaning what you are doing is you are rethinking your entire implementation as opposed to migrating your existing data. If you do that, it's going to be far easier in general. And that is what probably SAP is going to recommend. But that is not going to be feasible in every single case. The second approach that they recommend is going to be brownfield. In brownfield, you are still converting your existing data. And you are literally re-architecting the whole database, which is a massive lift. And as you know, how tight the ERP data sets are. When you are looking at migrating that, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the third one is the you know selective data transition. And by the way, even in case in the case of SAP, I don't know if most of the businesses that were on SAP, they were not as consolidated as they would be in case of S4. The whole idea of S4 is run your entire enterprise in one database. Okay, I don't think even in in the world of ECC. I don't know if every business was really running in one database. They were utilizing a lot of different ERP systems in many different countries. It was very, very hard to do everything in one database. But in the case of S4, now we have the technologies available in the market that can accomplish everything in one database. That's a very... So, Phil, I don't know if I answered your question, but SAP has much harder job to migrate these customers because, you know, you need to migrate your data structure. You need to re redesign your processes aligned with the new architecture. And then obviously you have the UX, uh, you have to forget those T codes uh, <laughs> and utilize the newer architecture. Yeah, you answered that. Thank you, Sam. And that speaks to my comment that I had, Sam, because uh, really aligned with what Phil was saying, what I caught on uh, the in implementation portion was the fact that uh, in the greenfield and the brownfield, they have uh, listed you know, a migration from an SAP ERP. So that that really speaks to what my uh, my question was. It was along the same lines as what Phil picked up on. So thank you for explaining. Of course. Uh, now let's look at the number of customers. So people feel that you know what nobody is buying anymore. Uh, you know there are a lot of comments in the community. But if you look at you know the size of the customers that SAP has, they are way bigger. Uh, you know obviously for S4. And here they had signed roughly eight thousand nine hundred customers by 2018 when they had announced this in 2015 and that's just three years guys 8900 number that you are looking at <laughs> probably bigger than acumatica i don't know if acumatica has as many customers even though they are making a lot of buzz in the market uh you know that's probably going to be lower than naturally but you know one customer is probably going to be equivalent to 100 customers uh, in the case of naturally that's how much volume and the complexity that we are talking about so again, SAP is a very credible company and whatever they are doing in the large enterprise space, it's still very unmatched. There are going to be companies such as Oracle and Microsoft, uh, they could come closer in terms of capabilities. But overall, if you're looking for a deep solution, you are not going to find better solution than SAP S4 HANA. Okay, uh, if you guys have any other comments, I can take those. Otherwise, I can move to the next one. This is uh, the diagram of the memory footprint of the HANA database. So here, as you can clearly see, in case of SAP S4 HANA, this is the power of SAP S4 HANA, where you are going to get a lot of different, I think the 
26 aggregate tables are going to be translated into one master document record that is going to be aggregated on the fly. That's a massive difference, guys. Okay, overall, in terms of the performance, and this is where Hannah really shines. And now, Phil, to your comment, when you are going to be restructuring all of this data into this, that's a massive. You need to rethink the strategy. It's not as simple as I'm, I have 25 columns, and now I'm going to merge them into one <laughs> that way. Okay, you need to, the database migrations are, are slightly harder. You need to think about the existing data. You need to think about the historical data. You need to make sure that you know, your existing, uh, sorry, the transactions that you have, they are going to be closed uh, so that the whole migration could be a project in itself. But this is the whole premise of the SAP S4 HANA versus the, the traditional SQL databases. And most of the vendors in the market, including Microsoft, I think Microsoft is doing SQL. Uh, Oracle may be on in memory. I need to do my research. But SAP S4 HANA is that, uh, you know, one of the best database out there. Now, the other thing that I would like to highlight about SAP is going to be the whole Sarbanes-Oxley, it gets really, really tricky to work with companies that are not really designed for that. And I have seen a lot of systems, you know, most of them are very technical in nature. And even for me, it becomes very difficult to track these permissions and how these roles and groups are going to be, uh, you know, designed inside the system. And now when you are talking about those large companies where they need to track, okay, who has what level of visibility and you should be able to debug it's very hard, guys, okay? The only product that I have personally seen that does really, really well is going to be your SAP, okay? So SAP has these permission sets built as part of the product where you can literally request the permission set that you are requesting for yourself or for somebody else in the company. Somebody is going to approve that. It's actually going to uh, provide you the risk factor of those permissions. And then finally, it is going to tell you that, okay, you should not be doing this because this is not good for the public company that requires Sarbanes-Oxley. These things are not available in the smaller systems. They don't need it, <laughs> okay? So this is where the large systems versus the small systems shine when you look at the deeper financial control, deeper financial debugging, deeper financial traceability. That's the primary difference between the larger systems versus the, the smaller systems, okay? Now, the other things, okay, now nobody's going to uh, pay attention to this, kind, which is going to be zero downtime, uh, which has been my frustration overall. So now every single e-commerce company out there, they might be $5 million on Shopify. Okay, They don't like to go down, obviously. That's going to be the opportunity loss for them. It's not good for the customer experience, but they are very rarely going to pay attention to the ERP downtime. And ERP downtime is a big deal, guys. Okay, irrespective of how capable the system, very few systems can promise zero downtime, especially in the public cloud world. Okay, they all go down for an hour, two hours. So that's where the capability of a system is going to be, whether you can do the patching and upgrade <laughs> in microseconds. And that's where Salesforce is really good. Even though Salesforce still goes down uh, for a decent amount of time, but if SAP is promising zero downtime option, guys, that's a big deal for those DBs. For e-commerce companies, especially if you are going to be in 24 cross 7 time zone, when you are going to be serving your e-commerce customers, and then now you can afford to have your real-time integration with your ERP. Because traditionally, if you wanted to have real-time integration, as soon as your ERP goes down, you need to bring your website down. You have no way. And you know a lot of people are going to say, you know what? I have APIs for my integration. Okay, go ahead and integrate with, with APIs. What is going to happen as soon as your ERP goes down? those you are going to lose 
all of those orders. So what do you do? You need to queue up. You need to do near real-time integration. But if this is possible, then obviously now you can probably do real-time integration uh, that is backed up by the, the downstream system. Uh, this is not possible with the other systems in the small to medium space right now. Hey, Sam. Yeah. What, do you have any insight on what they mean without technical downtime? Because my experience when we talk about zero downtime is that it falls into a uh, planned versus unplanned situation. And because it becomes a planned downtime uh, situation, uh, they classify that as zero downtime. So I'm curious if this is similar and with the technical downtime uh, specifically uh, called out or, or if you have any insight to that, I'm just curious. And I'm glad that you actually brought that distinction because most of the time companies are going to claim that, you know what, 99.9% are silly. Okay, but that does not account for your planned downtime. So you are absolutely right. In this particular case, I think they are accounting for the planned downtime as well. Based on the way it reads right now, that overall business time, meaning your planned downtime is going to be much lower. Okay, that not a lot of companies can do. Salesforce is trying to get there. Uh, Oracle is trying to get there. Now SAP can claim that as well. So obviously that's a big deal. Again, I don't think Microsoft can do that right now. I, at least I have personally not seen in their document. And this is where the real, again, when you are looking at those 24 cross seven scenarios, enterprise great companies, these are the features that is going to make difference in your business. Okay, uh, if you guys don't have anything else, I have uh, you know some other things here that I noticed. So for example, let's say if you look at the SAP EWM, there are going to be features when you look at the, uh, you know, for example, freight management. Freight management is typically resides in your TMS component. For that, you probably need to get another specialized CMS component. And when you are trying to integrate the CMS to your core ERP processes, and if you don't really have the, the support inside the ERP processes, for TMS, it becomes very, very thick integration and unpredictable integration. So SAP has a lot of different CMS processes when you are going to have the shipment that is going to go through multiple hops. Because in the larger enterprise world, you are not going to have shipments only through your UPSS and FedEx of the world. <laughs> That's how most of the you know five to fifty million dollar companies uh, are going to work. But when you are slightly larger, your uh, the overall supply chain is going to be more complex. Uh, so that is where SAP really shines uh, in those deep down supply chain capabilities that you are probably going to need. Okay, uh, if you guys don't have any other comments, I'm actually going to move to the next slide here. The other things I noticed is going to be some of the capabilities. For example, if you look at SAP, SAP has never been a system that was very good at interfacing with Excel for some reason. Okay, and that was that always bothered customers. Okay, why are you not so good at Excel where I can literally go to any other system and they are you can literally export the data, you can do whatever you want and you can dump it back in the system. SAP never sort of allowed that. And there is a reason because SAP was always designed to be slightly more financial system. So they didn't want uh, customers to go outside of the system. Now, operations people are never going to like that because the amount of time that they need to invest uh, in the system, it just increases their time and the efficiency when they have the metric that, okay, you need to get these many orders out in this day or you are not meeting your target when you have that those kind of KPIs for the operations folks. They just don't like the control aspect of it. Okay, so again, the if you look at the operational mindset, they very rarely like SAP just because of that uh, restriction. But SAP is trying to 
build uh, their Excel capabilities now, I guess, you know, using the RPA solution uh, that they had acquired recently. So now you can do a lot more overall in terms of your PDF spreadsheet. But again, the experience is not going to be as similar to your Apicor N4 right now because it was never designed for that Excel interfacing right within the screen. Even Salesforce, uh, you know, Salesforce does really, really well overall in, in the Excel interfacing. And for that reason, salespeople never liked SAP <laughs> just because the, the process was very complex. Okay, uh, I don't have any other uh, here. What's this? Okay, so this is another thing that is very unique to SAP uh, system. I have personally not seen this kind of workflow process with any other system out there. Okay, Acumatica is probably trying to get there, but they'll take light years to be able to build something like what this is going to be the full visibility into your in entire transaction, including the physical document that you are sending to your customers right on one. That's a big deal, guys. Okay. Again, there are going to be a lot of linking here and there in the other system. But if you are looking for the entire traceability of the transaction, what happened to the transaction in a very easily understandable manner, this is where the SAP systems really shine. And in case of S4 HANA, when you are a CFO of those nine, you definitely need to have this. Otherwise, you'll not be able to figure out those reconciliations. And that's why it is really designed for those CFOs. Uh, they, they need this. If you guys have any comment, I can take those. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm really glad you put this one up there. I think this is really slick. And and it, and it's also, it exists uh, in their uh, uh, in their Fiori UX. It ex is this often on the bottom of a page. So that if you're doing, if you're doing a transaction, you can see what happened before and after graphically. And I just thought that was really, really slick and really helpful for you. Yeah, and by the way, this is available everywhere. So when you start at the sales order, you can click on the process flow and you can track, okay, right now I am sitting at the sales order. Uh, did sales order have any sort of linking in the past? It might have started from the court, then you are going to have a linking for court. Then as sales order progresses in the cycle, you might have million, you know, hits uh, on that sales order. You know, a customer may return multiple times. Uh, you know, you might have multiple deliveries. Now that visibility is very, very, very hard. Okay, when you are going to go to a smaller system, you probably need to be hunting a lot of them to be able to find out, okay, what happened here? <laughs> so this is where SAP really shines. And, and again, I think the reason why they are able to do this and other companies are not able to do this is because of that core database capabilities because this is a very thick transaction in my mind. It's very hard to pull this up. Okay, the other things that they are, and we are going to be talking about some of the points about the recent release that they are focused. So the problems that these large companies are going to have are going to be very different from your SMB. SMB companies are going to be worried about the bread and butter. Okay, that's not what SAP S4 HANA is. SAP S4 HANA is for the premium that the large companies are going to have a lot of problems, a lot of cost dollars. For example, let's say if you look at the sustainability report or the ESG reporting. Now, you might have 50 people in your organization when you are operating in, in 50 countries just to do the accounting part of the, the, the admin piece of the ESG reporting. Now, you have the operational control tower built as part of your S4 HANA suite. Now, when, I don't know at what stage companies need to report this, but you know if you are reporting this, that's a very heavy lift overall from the financial admin perspective. And that's where SAP can do a wonderful job. And, and that is probably the reason why SAP S4 HANA is always used uh, in two-tier setting. And they are 
we promote two tier side interview and we can see those in the slides as well so they are right now promoting that you know what you should go for two tier uh, scenario where you are using sap on prem for your corporate and for the subsidiary you should probably go for sap as for hana cloud uh, or you can go for by design but in my mind when you are actually going for two tier setting you should probably go for slightly operationally rich product because you already have sap as your corporate then you can go for plex you can go for IQMS, you can go for products such as Infor, Apicor. Those can provide far deeper operational capabilities at the and then you can integrate that with SAP. Um, so here they are developing very rich uh, ESG centric capabilities that probably your mid market customers are not going to care for. They are probably going to be doing a lot of reporting right out of their ERP on the spreadsheet, and that's how they are going to submit. But the problems that larger companies face is very different. here we have the similar reporting for circular economy now circular economy if you talk to a average uh, mid size customer i don't know how much they have to report um, to be honest okay but the larger companies they are uh, definitely being monitored on the circular economy initiative uh, the brands are actually pushing for a lot of that and the reason for that is because that actually enhances your customer experience so obviously you have the marketing initiative that are driving okay what is my carbon uh, you know how are my factories <laughs> performing so that's actually part of your branding as well now if you have to report uh, you know on those for example let's say if you are talking about epfes plastic tax any sort of corporate commitments that's where you are going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting because they go really deep they are going to be looking at okay this item you are shipping at this place okay what was the i don't know maybe pollution and then you have to monitor that that is probably not going to be available in any of the erp system you probably need to be doing a lot of custom development to be able to produce uh, that kind of auditing and this is very similar to cannabis uh, you know the way cannabis reporting is uh, if you guys have any yeah, comments this was originally called cradle to cradle a few years back and then it evolved to circular economy but yeah larger enterprises for sure but um forestry products there's a lot of products out there uh, you mentioned plastics or uh, that this this is super important and and it's cradle to cradle it used to be cradle to grave if you remember back in the day yeah. but they want to coming all the way back to start again and 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 the larger companies that are that are in products that that have a, a recycled component to it it's a very big deal exactly exactly and that's a very heavy financial lift and this is where these are the feature sets that financial organizations care for when you are going to be that large so again if you are buying for finance sap is the best solution in the market you know if you are buying for finance the this is the sap sustainability tower and this is going to be a similar tower as your supply chain tower or the operational tower uh, we all know the importance of that and here we are talking about every single geography every single country sitting in one database reporting for these things uh, where you have the the centralized control and again for the larger companies there are initiatives uh, that are going to be super important or they get penalized so obviously for them it's a big deal okay this is the two tier scenario that i was talking about now if you look at this two tier scenario here we have a lot of things happening overall at the corporate level and very little thing that is happening at the subsidiary level okay so when you look at this kind of integration this is where i feel that when you are approaching the two tier scenario and you are looking for subsidiary level integration your s4 hana cloud is probably not the right uh, you know if you're really buying that for operation you should probably something like uh, you know plax which is going to be far deeper 
uh, in the operational functionality in four apicore those are far deeper overall in manufacturing uh, or if you are going for distribution operation there are going to be other products that are going to be superior uh, you know from the distribution perspective and here the only integration or the exchange that you have to do is probably going to be just a po uh, and then uh, you know invoice back uh, that is probably going to be the exchange uh, overall and the integration is not going to be as difficult but for the larger companies i mean they can probably do those integration uh, it's not very difficult for them so if you are approaching the two tier scenario that sap is trying to sell to why would you use another sap product that would not make a lot of sense so at the corporate level <laughs> you can use sap product for the financial capability they are really good at that but in the two tier scenario for me personally i just don't see why any company would be using another sap product in the two tier this is the complete uh, you know picture of the same integration so here the only thing uh that we have from the exchange perspective is going to be the po is actually coming to the subsidiary and the invoice is coming from subsidiary rest of the things are happening there is a little bit of integration overall but everything else is happening at the corporate level for that you already have the sap on prem or sap uh cloud uh, sap surhana cloud that you might be buying if you are doing this maybe get ifs and that's where ifs is going to be really strong in that fsm component right so here you can do wonders uh, i guess you know if you got ifs or any other solution out there for example in four uh, could be a great fit here and then at the corporate level you still have the ana you know to do the heavy lifting of the master data and the other processes that you are doing sam it's a little little side topic here but this is a great graphic for it sap uh for hana has has really rich standard business practices and and tied to what used to be called accelerators the si's used to come up with products that would put especially by uh by certain uh verticals that would come up with standard processes and if you use those you already were well down the line and this this reveals a lot of standard processes that if a customer uses them they really can uh reduce and and speed reduce the cost and speed up the implementation by sticking with what those standard processes are in the day you used to start almost with discovery of blank piece of paper what do you want it to do today and oracle is similar and the big guys are similar they're saying you here here's here's how here's how ap flows why should it be different than a thousand other companies are doing it and i think it's really a good evolution for these larger enterprises to get to that in in my mind i call that as marketing high because every single vendor in the market probably has that okay you can get that from every vendor out there right but the the big guys have done some work to really make make the uh, on the si side particularly when you put the two together they've really done some nice work on that that if you stick to the standard processes you can save some money has been things that i found Yeah very interesting uh any other comments guys okay so i have uh, just one more slide to go and here the other thing that i really wanted to talk about is the planning aspect so if you are going to be a smb organization that has never planned or planned in in a spreadsheet obviously you don't understand what planning is <laughs> so if you are looking for deep planning capability meaning planning has to be done more in the automated meaning your data should be compliant with your planning the planning goal that you have and that's where deep down strategies a lot of things that are going to be bundled as part of your sap suite i don't think a lot of vendors in the market can match the kind of strategies that you are going to have the amount of ai 
that is going to be part of the the, the planning cycle uh, that is going to be bundled with S4 HANA, it's probably going to be unmatched. So again, if you have never planned it, or if you don't know how planning works, most of the RP systems are going to feel alike. But here, in this particular case, uh, if you pay attention to how companies plan, and if you're really open-minded to learn how SAP would help you better, that's where you know SAP S4 HANA is really going to shine, and you are going to have a lot of cost savings. So that's it uh, from the uh, presentation perspective. Now I can take some comments from you guys. Well, you know, I, I've been in the ERP business a long time, but I, I've always targeted SMBs, small to mid-sized companies. Looking at some of these screens, holy smokes. They're, it's just like no comparison. Like especially that last screen, that planning screen you were just showing. My goodness. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Dave, uh, any any comments? Uh, I wanted to cover one one other question that had come through, Sam. Um, I I, I uh, added to it, but the question was about digital currency. Uh, do you see any any solutions uh, around there? I mean, I you know, not from my perspective, I've not seen anything that'll handle that, and I think we're a long <laughs> ways away from it. <laughs> I have seen a lot of people asking. I think, uh, you know, some companies are accepting uh, some digital payments in Bitcoin. I don't think you should be basing your ERP decision on that. Even if you are accepting, you know, Bitcoin just for branding that, okay, now I can accept it so that I cannot lose just one customer that comes, you know, once a year to me. If that is the case, you can probably get a payment provider that can process and, and have a manual. Why would you base your ERP decision on this? For me, it just, you know, I just don't, don't get it. Uh, maybe somebody can convince me. Yeah, I, I think I think keep the tokens outside the ERP system, whatever they're being used for, whether it's <laughs> compliance or or someone wants to use crypto. I would agree with that, Sam. Why why bring that in house? But uh, but I was gonna I was gonna say yeah, I thought this was a really good presentation. It, it, these these larger enterprise systems have so much capability. And to Andy's point, when you get into really looking at the screens and looking at the UX and looking at the dashboards and what you can do, it's, it's just amazing, almost too much. And and uh, and and just from personal experience, it, it's 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 those companies that are in between. You know, maybe they're maybe they're 750 million to uh, a billion five. You know, that are that are in between. Maybe they're in five countries or or you know, not not ten. It's it's a tough call because this is probably too much. But when you look at the next tier down, it sure doesn't look like enough. And I think that's that's a that's a challenge. We never did cover the way they charge. I will I, I will tell you that they it, it spend some time if you're looking at S for Hannah. They they do like a a partial full time user calculation, and then some of their products, the warehouse products and seller products are transactional based, and then some of them are user based, and it it. You really got to think that through. Whereas I found some of the other enterprise solutions, the other the other big two, it's pretty much user based and it's pretty easy to understand. Yeah, agreed. Dave, Andy, any more comments? Yeah, not from my perspective, Sam. I mean, definitely interesting uh, to see what some of that functionality uh, when you get into these larger systems can bring. And uh, uh, you know, a bit outside of my core space that I work in, I have some experience with uh, a, a bit of a larger system, but but that compared to this. Uh, pretty easy to see the differences there, even from the uh, the Sarbanes Oxley. I thought that was really fascinating. Uh, I've not, uh, you know, the company that I had some experience with was, uh, you know, public traded, so they were held to that standard. Uh, but from a systems perspective, we were not utilizing the ERP in a similar manner. So that was really interesting to to see uh, that specific functionality and and some others. Andy, yeah. Phil, go ahead. 
I was going to say last comment, and more than ever, get a quality SI. Either either get ele- Elevate IQ or someone who's trying to be just as good. And listen to them. The biggest problem, uh, the companies, <laughs> the companies struggle with the ERP implementation planning, irrespective of whether it's SAP or anything else. If your underlying data is not going to be structured the way the system expects, you are not going to get results. Uh, and then you are going to complain that, you know, SAP doesn't work or Info well, doesn't yeah, work. Data, migra- data migration and governance, boy, invest early, invest often. And and then uh, change management, which is the other thing that the bigger boys really spend extra time on because it is, it's a very large project. Okay, Andy, I can take one short comment and then we need to wrap. Uh, you know what? I'm kind of speechless, Sam. Those screens, some of those, like I was just, it, 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 it's way above whatever I've ever seen before. Okay, amazing, guys. So that's a wrap. Uh, and there is a reason why SAP is called Best Run. Uh, it's really that good uh, overall in terms of the finance functionality if you are buying SAP for finance functionality. And it is going to be fit for the companies that are going to have either 10, 20, 30 entities, and then you are trying to consolidate all of that in one database, or you have a very tricky country. Don't buy SAP for operational functionality. If you're buying for that, you are not going to like it. You are better off buying some other operationally rich system at the plant level and then integrate it with SAP if that's your uh, goal overall. On that note, uh, thank you everybody uh, for your time. Uh, If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at uh, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We always pick one vendor or solution that we review independently, and then we cover a bunch of stories from ERP and digital uh, transformation space. So make sure you guys are not going to be missed next uh, week's show. We are going to be here. On that note, once again, thanks, everybody, for your time. And Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sam. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about ND Practical, head over to essoft.com. It's essoft.com. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R.C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Bob Feathers, who shares his insights and lessons learned from a multi-site ERP implementation. Also, the interview with Sue Shaw, who shares her insights into how to succeed with large global rollouts for the oil and gas industry. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.